going to read our scripture for us. Okay, so our scripture is from Genesis, and it's Genesis 17, 1 through 7, and then it skips to 16 through 17. Yeah, I'm going to read it. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make a covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of nation, many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. The kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now jumping, jumping to verse 16. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man of a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. My name is Keith Case, and I'm a pastor here at Providencia, and we're glad you're here with us tonight whether you're in person or joining us online. Um, we are in our Embody series all year, and we're uh, about halfway through the year. Um, last week, uh, Drew preached, and a few weeks before that, he preached, and in his sermon, uh, Drew had a poem that he uh, dedicated, it said, uh, for Black History Month. And I don't know if everyone got to see that or not, but if you have been on our Instagram account, it was posted on there this week, and it's still up, and it's also on our Facebook um, page as well. So if you haven't had a chance to see that, I encourage you to do uh, to check it out and to look at it. Um, I just want to acknowledge uh, Ryan is here, I think, up in the balcony. Yeah, there he is. Uh, Ryan's up there working tonight, and Ryan did all the editing for that video. So if you've seen the video, you know how impressive that is uh, on top of the poetry that Drew did and on top of the music that Danny did for it. Um, Ryan did the editing for it. I've had many people ask me, who did the editing for this video? It's amazing. So please, please uh, encourage you to check it out. Uh, it's one of the things that I love about our church so much is that I feel like our community, uh, week in and week out, is making art. Um, you know, not, not just like paintings that go on the wall or like pottery or something like that, but that we are making art together uh, week in and week out. And, and on Sunday night, uh, we are making art here. There's, there's different pieces of art throughout the service, but even together, the entire service is a work of art, a piece of art. And each week, it looks different. Each week, you don't really know exactly uh, what is going to be created. But to me, that's always a little bit scary and a little bit exciting at the same time. But to be in a community that we are creating art together is such a gift. 
And, and I mean that as well, not just here on Sunday night, but throughout the week. And I mean that not just when we're together, but also when you're at your, your job, when you're uh, working, when you're in your career, that you are making art, that the world needs your art, and that you are called into this creative process of giving your art uh, to the world. Tonight, our, our sermon is uh, in this Embody series, and it's called The Forever Family. When Drew gave his poem a couple weeks ago, he mentions uh, Willie Jennings in his poem. And, and Drew and I probably talk about uh, Willie Jennings at least once a month, um, but he's one of our favorites. He, he wrote a book called The Christian Imagination and the Origins of Race. I highly encourage you to read it um, or just go find him on YouTube. And watch him uh, preach, watch him speak. But Willie Jennings is a brilliant, brilliant author and brilliant writer and brilliant speaker. Um, his mother was a gardener. Uh, his grandmother was the daughter of a slave. And Willie Jennings' mother, uh, when she gardened, especially in the spring, she would bring uh, little Willie out into the garden and she would tell him to put his hands in the dirt. If you've been to Providencia for the last couple of years, have you ever heard us talk about that before? Yes, okay, everybody almost. Okay. So the, the, this invitation that his mother gives him to put his hands in the dirt and leave his hands in the dirt, that she wants him to stay connected to the dirt. There's something about our connection to the dirt that is significant. And she doesn't ever want him to forget it. She wants him to always stay connected to it. Moses, tonight, through the, the reading that Sarah Claire did for us from the book of Genesis, is inviting us into a similar journey. Instead of inviting us, though, to put our hands in the dirt, uh, Moses, through the story of Abraham, is inviting us to put our face in it. To put our face into the ground, our face into the dirt. And this is where Lent leads us. Uh, we are in the season of Lent. I think a couple weeks ago I said it was 30 days. Sorry, it's 40. Uh, but in, in Lent, uh, we are on this journey. On this journey of getting back to the ground, getting back to the dirt. In fact, if you came and celebrated Ash Wednesday with us, which happened right out here in the courtyard, and uh, Dr. Brittany Melton uh, spoke, uh, and it was beautiful, and uh, Jordan and I, after Matt Jamal said some things, actually put dirt on people's faces. So every Ash Wednesday, uh, we don't make you put your face down into the ground. We actually bring the ground up and put it on your face. We put the dirt, we put it on your forehead. There's something about the dirt that is so significant, that is so important to our identity as Christians. So tonight, as we talk about embody a forever family, we're going to talk about three things, three journeys. One is back to the dirt. Number two is face down in the promise. And number three is the dignity of our forever family. The dignity of our forever family. Verse 1 and 3, back to the dirt. 
Uh, in verse 1 there, we hear Abraham, or Abram, uh, which his name means exalted father, is 99 years old. Now, we could get into like ages in the Bible and like what all those mean. We're not going to do that tonight. Uh, I'll let an Old Testament scholar do that for us at some point. Uh, but the point is that Abraham was old. The point is that the guy was seasoned. He had been through life. Uh, the guy has some wrinkles. Uh, he is getting closer to his appointment back with the dirt. Uh, you know, the idea of us coming from the dirt in Genesis, back in Genesis uh, 1 and 2, this idea that we are made from the dirt, come from the dirt. Now Abraham is on his way back to it at 99. He's getting close to it. Now this idea that we uh, come from the dirt was always a part of our identity. Uh, it, at least it would seem, according to Genesis, uh, though we were made from the dirt and we need to claim that, there is a consequence of the curse in Genesis chapter 3 that says we will return to it and that Abraham is facing that, that death is now in the world and it haunts us. I don't know if you ever thought about that before, but according to the book of Genesis, we came from the dirt, but death was not a part of the garden. So this return to the dirt that we all experience was not part of that journey. It wasn't part of that journey. And, and so this, this curse of having death approaching now, of having our mortality of this return to the dirt. Maybe this is why we resist it so much. Maybe this is why we resist the dirt on our faces, why we resist the face down in the dirt, why we resist our hands in the dirt, why we resist remembering the dirt as part of our identity. It's as if we want to get away from the dirt as fast as we can. We want to get away from it. We want to make things or take things that were made from the dirt, actually, that make us feel eternal. So we accumulate things made from the dirt that make us feel like we can live forever, make us feel like life will never stop. But we resist claiming this dirt as part of our identity. And in verse 1, it says, the Lord, whose name is Yahweh uh, in the Hebrew, uh, the one who was before us, the one who made man from dust, the one who breathed life into him in Genesis, this is the one who showed up, the eternal one, the one who has been breathing forever. And he says, walk before me, Abram. Just like in Genesis chapter 3 and 8, when Adam and Eve, it says, will walk with God in the cool of the day. That he's inviting Abram into this, to walk with God. And the word faithfully there, and the word be blameless, um, it really means faithfully to be before me, to be in front of me, to, to never kind of leave my sight, like that we're together, we're with each other. And that word blameless, I like, I like the other words for it, which are complete or whole. 
that we would be whole, that we would be a person of an integrity before God. Don't hide. Don't scheme. Be known before me. The same invitation from Genesis chapter 3, come out of hiding, Abraham. Be seen by me. Live with me. Be with me. And in verse 2, he says, I will greatly increase your numbers. And at this time, in, in, in the understanding of the mind of someone like Abram, at this time in history, the way someone lived forever, the way people understood eternal life is for their name to live forever. So if you kept having kids and kept having, they kept having kids and they kept having kids, your name continues on and you live forever on through those kids. That God is saying to Abram, you will live forever. At least in his mind, that's how he's interpreting, how he's understanding it. So it sounds like this. Be with me, Abram, and I will be with you forever. And Abram falls face down in the face of God. He falls face down. It takes us to the dust of who we are. I don't know when the last time you laid face down in the dirt was. <laughs> Most of us don't like to get dirt on our face. Uh, sometimes I do yoga, though, with, uh, with Gina Pollo on Tuesday nights, and I get close to the grass. And below the grass, there's the dirt, you know? And, and sometimes I get close to it. But I would encourage you this week to get close to it, that there's a freedom found there. And these are some of the freedoms that I think, Mo, that I think Abraham is feeling as he is face down. He's feeling freedom from his own scheming to build his legacy. And I'll talk about that in a second. He's feeling freedom from having to be anything other than human, than who he was. And there is a promise coming in the hopelessness of that dirt. There's a promise coming in the hopelessness of that dirt. When we think of, Mo of Abram, keep calling, I want to call him Moses. When we think of Abram uh, falling down, face down before God, often we can think of worship. We can think, oh, he's worshiping God. He's like bowing down, you know, worshiping God. But there's something else that I think is going on in Abram. And that is that Abram is being confronted with something. See, this isn't the first time that God has made this promise to Abram. Uh, God made it before. And God said he was going to build this nation. He was going to give him a son. All, this, all these things were going to happen. And then Abram got busy scheming, trying to make it happen his way. Because he kept running into some obstacles. Uh, his wife, Sarah, was, was barren, that she couldn't have children. So he started devising his own plan and kind of going outside of what God had said to make art the way that he wanted to make it. And he's been confronted with that. And I think there's some level that Abram is being confronted that he is feeling his shame. That he's wanting to hide himself. This is, this is the movement of shame. When, when you experience shame that, that you will begin to look down. And sometimes in counseling, even when I, when I have clients that, 
that are in real shame or, or myself when I've experienced real shame, I'll put my hand on my head like this and then I'll end up even closing my eyes because I don't want to be seen. And so Abram is face down. And what's crazy about this whole experience here is that part of the way that Abram ends up in shame, that he ends up uh, trying to do this scheming, is based out of a promise that God gave him. That God gave him this promise that he said, you're going to be the father, you're going to have all these these nations, you're going to have as many descendants as the stars, and then it's not happening for Abram, so Abram tries to make it happen on his own, and he goes outside of what God has called him to live, the life God has called him to live, and so in the midst of the promise, he finds himself face down in it face down in the promise, face down in this shame. Now, for people who are Christians, uh, some of us have grown up with different narratives in the Christian church. One of those narratives kind of goes like this. If you do what I tell you to do, if you obey me, if you follow all the laws, if you follow all the rules... Um, I will bless you, and you will have this, this, and this, a happy life. And as soon as that kind of, as we talked about it the other day uh, in staff meeting, some of us, as soon as that kind of prosperity gospel starts to blow up, life doesn't make sense anymore. God doesn't make sense anymore. This Christianity doesn't make sense anymore. But that's not the Christianity. That's not the faith that we see lived out here in the life of Abram. If Abram had had that idea, he's sitting there scheming, trying to make it happen. (laughs) He's trying to make it happen. He's trying to make the promise fulfilled on his own power. And it's blowing up in his face. So he's troubled by this. And I meet people all the time who they have this kind of understanding of God, of thinking that if I just do this and this, then God is very transactional. But God makes this promise in verse 4, this covenant. And he says to Abram while he's face down, And maybe he's in awe and maybe he's in shame and maybe they're happening at the same time. But he's face down and God says to him, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. While you're there face down in the dirt, Abram. And I said, Abram had his own scheming. He has a son. But he didn't get that son the way God had called him to get that son. God had said the son was going to come from the promise not from Abram's scheming. This son, the promised son, would come from God's breath, his artistic power into the dirt, into the hopelessness, and even here, into the shame of it. See, we've been trying to live forever for a pretty long time. We've been scheming, trying to get that life that will never end forever. 
for a really long time. And God says, that power is in my breath. In verse 5, that he will change Abram's name to Abraham. I have made you the father of many nations. In verse 6, you feel the barrenness of your life, but I will make you very fruitful. Nations will come out of you. Power will come out of you. Kings will come out of you, Abram, while you're there in the dirt. Eternity will come out of you, everlasting, with you and all the art that comes forth from you. This is the journey, face down in the promise, face down in the dirt. Now, when Sarah Claire read the scriptures earlier, um, we may have gotten our, our wires crossed on the text, but I actually wanted verse 15, where it says, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that, so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And something happens for me as I read that text. Something happens for me as I think about the patriarchy that Abraham, Abraham is in, the world that he is in, the, the world that is uh, very male-dominated as far as uh, how a society is run. Uh, so much so that if a woman becomes widowed, that she's considered unprotected in that society. And so that God calls us, commands us to be a people who care for the widows and to care for orphans, orphans being a, a child who is fatherless, that she's very vulnerable in this society as a woman. But that God is saying to Abraham, your wife is just as much a part of this promise as you are. See, in, in my journey and in, in the culture that I came from, um, and I love my family and I, and I love the city I grew up in and um, have mixed reviews about the high school, but anyway, the, just being in the culture that I was in, I grew up with little subtle hints and some of them very uh, overt, some of them very obvious of saying to me that being a man is better, being a man is, is stronger, being a man is more powerful, being a man is just better. And, and I went to an all-boys school, and one of the things that they would sell parents on at the all-boys school is that we want all the boys to stay together, to be in class, so they're not distracted by girls. So they're not distracted by other uh, women. Now, they may, they may not have meant to imply what they were implying, but to a young man that they are communicating to me that women are a distraction. That God is speaking at such an old time to this man Abraham to say, listen, man, your wife isn't a distraction. Your wife is a part of what I'm building, and it's not just babies in this world that it's nations, that it's kingdoms, 
that this woman is going to have that kind of power. Now, we live in 2000 and, what is it, 21 now? Is it 21, right? 2021. And still in this nation, I don't, I don't know how many of you know when women got the right to vote in this nation. In, in this nation, uh, when we have had a female president, In this nation, how many women serve as CEOs? How many women are able to move as freely in the workplace, move through the workplace as freely as men? And even in the church. That's when it hit me. That women weren't as able to move as freely through the church. What have we missed out on? That God would be doing something all the way back in Genesis in the life of Abraham to wake him up to this reality. To wake him up. Because what happens through the life of Sarah is that Sarah will bring into the world this child and that person will bring into the world another child. But these people aren't just children. They're also making art. They're creating. They're giving to life. They're building things. And eventually you keep going down the line and you get to this woman named Mary. And it says that Mary was highly favored. And she's this young woman. And it's through her that God is going to come into the world. And you can disagree. I, I understand if you disagree. And you're welcome here if you disagree. But it's hard for me to comprehend that a woman can bring God into this world, but she can't speak the word of God in front of people. That's crazy to me. Have you seen a woman give birth? This is easy, what I'm doing right here compared to that. That God would entrust himself with a woman. That there is dignity in the body. There's dignity in our dirt, and we all share it. Now, at one point, um, I was meditating on this idea of the creation story. And forgive me if you uh, have come from a place where this wasn't part of your narrative. But for me, the narrative I came from, it showed me little uh, white Adam and Eves. And, and Mary and Joseph, they were probably as tan as I am, um, but they were not like fully tan. They weren't fully brown. I got like the, like the kind of the, the Clorox version, you know, the whitewash version. And it's crazy how that affects you as a kid because I, I thought that maybe we came from, from whiteness. Like maybe the dirt was actually white, but the dirt in the places where the Garden of Eden is claimed to have been, uh, where creation is claimed by scientists to have started, East Africa, that, that dirt is pretty dark. That dirt is pretty brown. And it's red and it's glorious. <coughs> and it's a part of us. It's a part of our identity that we came from that continent. 
And that messes with me in the best way possible as I reimagine my identity in Christ, my identity in God. That he comes from that place, that that's my father, that that's my birthplace, that these are our people, and that Mary will give birth to this son, to this living, breathing art. Jesus taking on the whole human body made from dirt would be born from it in his human body. God with us in the dirt. Not just as the identity of our beginning, but that he would then also live his life on a trajectory to return to it, to face the curse of it, the curse we weren't supposed to face. It's crazy, y'all, crazy. In Matthew, when God, sorry, when Jesus is with his followers, uh, he leads them, they're at the Last Supper, and after the Last Supper, it is recorded that he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's back in a garden. It's in chapter 26, verses 38 and following. And Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground. Jesus' face in the dirt. And he prayed, my father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. That Jesus, with his face in the dirt, will take on the weight of the curse of the dirt for us. And he will redeem it for us so that we can claim it in our bodies as part of our identity that it is the beginning of our family, that we are the people from the dirt who live in the promise that God is breathing into us, that he is going to make art with and in us and through us, and that we all are in it together. Is that the craziest sermon you've ever heard? That the pastor wants you to claim the dirt as your identity. It's the journey of Lent. That you do not have to scheme and make yourself significant in this world. God invites you to be a human born from the dirt. Your worth and value cannot get greater than that. And his love for you cannot be greater than it already is. You don't have to prove anything in this life. The journey is back to the dirt. The journey is letting God breathe into us. And out of that breath, that we bring life into this world to love this world like Christ loved the world. Let us pray.